course, like every other teenage kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. When I was 16 years old, I took off and drove across the country to Wyoming, went into the Wind River Range and discovered mountains. In 1973, Yvonne Chouinard founded Patagonia. I never wanted to be a businessman. All I wanted to do was do my craft and climb mountains. So then I had to figure out a way to where I was going to be a businessman, but I was going to do it completely on my own terms. Build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. Join us at Patagonia.com. Balance City drive you mad. So from us all the hope we had Smiling cities taking enough Our flesh and bones, our tears and our blood Six months ago, I moved into Seattle's Pioneer Square. Think beautiful hundred-year-old brick buildings, cobblestone alleyways, King Street Station with its marble columns and 45-foot-tall ceilings, seagulls, Elliott Bay, two blocks to the west. It also has the highest concentration of homeless people anywhere in Seattle. And of drug dealers and prostitutes and mentally ill. Fights break out in the park outside my window pretty much every day. The police precinct hasn't had funding to increase its staff since the 70s. I walk out my front door and I get hit up for change by three separate people for every city block that I walk. I've never lived anywhere that exhausts my sense of compassion so thoroughly or that makes me feel so sure that there must be a better system. And at the same time, so clueless as to what that looks like. Some days, I just want to move to a quiet neighborhood and not have to confront the destitution and the poverty face-to-face every day. I get overwhelmed, and I just want someone else to deal with the bigger problems. Skateboarder Clay Shank decided that he was going to be that someone else. And I was looking for no less than a new way of living in this world for our entire society. Like, what, so what's the alternative to, uh, to this capitalistic system that we have here? And how are we going to, how are we going to evolve into the next paradigm of life on Earth? His method, he wanted to ride his skateboard 700 miles from San Francisco to Tijuana. Along the way, he would hike the 210-mile John Muir Trail, summit Mount Whitney, climb Half Dome, and interview the people he encountered. I guess I had fantasies of going out and talking to people and opening what small platform for expression that I had to people who might not have the ability to voice their opinions as easily as the guy with the camera. Skateboarding through the Mojave Desert in the middle of August didn't particularly worry Clay. Neither did climbing the 2,200-foot northwest face of Half Dome, even though Clay isn't really a climber. I knew, even when I started out, that the greatest learning and the biggest challenge for me through the process was going to be transforming myself into somebody who could go and interview a stranger and... um, connect with them. Today, we bring you 700 Miles, the story of Clay's unlikely quest for solutions 
in the unexpected ways it forced his comfort zone to expand. I'm Jen Alchel, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. So the trip actually started about three years earlier. It was October of 2011, and Clay and his friend Walker drove to Yosemite to try to climb Half Dome. But the morning they had planned to start their climb, they rounded the corner to find the valley blanketed in snow. As soon as I saw Half Dome, it was like a relief, like, oh, good, well, we don't have to risk death to climb that this weekend. But my friend Walker Emerson, a committed man that he is, His motto on that day was, well, I can keep going. They kept going for a long time, until 2.30 in the afternoon, ten and a half hours into their push. They'd made it three-quarters of the way up the climb to a spot called the Big Sandy Ledge. It turns out the Big Sandy Ledge was actually just this small, snowy ledge, and it was totally exposed to all these falling blocks of ice. And looking up, the the face was just covered in a sheet of water because the sun had started melting everything by the time we got there. And that was the time when I was like, oh, wow, like this is how people die. And we're going to die now. Really thinking like we had done ourselves in. Clay and Walker managed to repel the entire 1,500-foot vertical gauntlet without getting hit by a falling piece of rock or snow or ice. They counted their blessings and gave up on climbing Half Dome for that season and drove back to Marin County. But Clay hadn't gotten enough of Yosemite, so he packed his panniers, loaded up his bike, and pedaled back. He spent Halloween night in Tuolumne. The next morning, he rode over Tioga Pass and barely missed a storm that hit the high country. Next, he wanted to climb Mount Whitney. Poetically, he liked the idea of a human-powered trip from the ocean to the top of the highest point in the contiguous United States. Whitney doesn't require any particularly technical mountaineering skills, but you still have to walk in 11 miles and then go up about 6,100 feet. And some of it's through Talis Field, which would suck if it had just snowed and you had to post hole the whole way. So Clay rode down to Lone Pine and camped in a cave to see if the snow would melt. But by that time, it was mid-November, and after a week of waiting in the cave, he admitted that the snow wasn't actually going anywhere until the spring, and biked home. Certainly when I ended that trip, I, I had wished it was longer, and at the time wanted to keep biking, but I don't know what happened. Kind of just got slogged into the comfort life in Santa Barbara, and all the regrets about you know not pushing hard enough, not climbing Whitney, whereas the recipe for 700 miles and it felt like a lot of aspects of my life came together to to kick me off on that trip back in santa barbara someone stole clay's bike rather than buy another one he decided to do the trip on his skateboard whenever anybody trips out like oh you did it on a skateboard i realized that if i had been on anything else i would have been going too fast to really do 700 miles the justice you know obviously a bike is is a more intimate relation with the landscape than a car because you are always able to pull off the road and stop. But a skateboard is just takes that to the next level. You can put it under your arm and trudge through some woods or 
You can use it as a pillow. You can send it in the mail. And also you can go to skate parks and have fun or do tricks to delight strangers on the sidewalks of their hometown. Skateboarding wasn't something that Clay just decided to pick up. He's an accomplished skater. He's produced and starred in a number of skate videos. But he had gotten to the point where he felt self-conscious that all of his videos focused on him. This trip, he wanted to turn the camera outward on the people of California. I just wanted to open them up to talk about whatever it was that was on their mind and their lives. So I would ask anything from, what's your favorite thing about this area? What would you change about California? Do you have any advice that you'd give to your younger self? What what advice would you give to somebody graduating college right now? Or you know, is there anything you'd want to say to a large group of people? Uh, you, you know, that sort of stuff. So nearly three years after his first trip, on August 21st of 2014, Clay jumped into the Pacific Ocean in Ocean Beach, San Francisco. He hopped on BART, crossed the Bay to Oakland, dropped his skateboard on the ground, and started pushing east. He carried a backpack with a water bottle, an old L.L. Bean sleeping bag, a tarp, an MSR pocket rocket, a wool sweater, a camera, and a microphone. And that was it. The trip started out rough. I enter into an interesting dance with two buses as I make my way down Geary. I have to cut one off after carving into the street, confidently cruising with the camera on, but I'm disturbed. I know I need to engage with people to make this film possible, but it's the furthest thing from my mind. I'm a sensitive member of the community and thereby adopt the cumulative sentiments of the surrounding population. This puts a rugged scowl on my face in rough areas, which naturally makes approaching strangers difficult. And now that I'm trying to engage with people, I see so clearly why I prefer not to. It's easy enough to shoot footage with my camera held at my waist. People hardly notice. As long as I distance myself far enough away, I can stare at my camera's tilted screen in a way that everyone assumes that I'm just staring at my phone, which is helpful for capturing video, but sad. Clay struggled to interview people in San Francisco, and then in the next half dozen smaller cities he passed through. You know, I was like, God, I'm blowing it. Like, I'm not interviewing enough people. Like, I just went through Livermore. I didn't interview anybody. I didn't interview anybody today. Um, but that's because I was so shy. Then, 90 miles in, Clay hit Modesto. There was a turning point when I asked a couple of people in, in Modesto, hey, can I interview you? And they were kind of like, uh, no, well, no, I don't know. And I was like, okay, bye. And I just went on down the road. And I went a few blocks down the road and I was like, you know what? I could have gotten an interview out of them. So I went back. And they were kind of like, oh, look who's back. I was like, look, man, like, let's talk about this. The experience left Clay with a sense of confidence, and the interview started to go better from then on. But Modesto offered its own breed of disappointment. In 2013, 1,200 of the city's 200,000 people were homeless. Many of them struggle with addiction. That isn't really any worse than anywhere else, but it did tamp down Clay's idealism. Whether they're homeless or not, they're all 
hoping for some solution to the homeless problem in Modesto. And, you know, I'm some idealistic dummy on a skateboard and I'm like trying to find a solution talking to these people, but really there's, it's a quite difficult situation. The Tuolumne River just ate one of my socks. I'm under the bridge where I kissed the rat in 2011, and I'm feeling bloody sad wondering who I am and what I can contribute to society. I wonder if I even give a shit about the people at all. Or is it just a part of my own self-promotion? Of course I care, but I'm powerless to help. We all are, I suppose. But I'm the one who owes so much. I'm a physically capable white man with the time to think of these things. And yet, I always come up short. There must be another way. There must be some other method we haven't thought of. Someone put it to me and I'll be its champion to the end. As Clay kicked his way east out of Modesto, deflated, a Christian man pulled over to the side of the highway to see if he needed a ride. He was just a very respectful and very thoughtful man who could talk about capitalism, you know, almost with an outsider's perspective because he was so so devout to, to his faith that it's not like he would just say, well, we need more jobs, you know, which is the kind of solution that we jump to in, in our capitalist system. He could see beyond that and think about a community and caring for people and he uplifted me greatly. With his spirits higher, Clay traveled the black asphalt of the Central Valley with the temperature hovering around 100 degrees. Trying to slow down by by carving sharp would put these crazy vibrations through the board and into my feet, so much so that I would have to jump off my board not because I was going too fast, but because my feet were getting too hot even on my skateboard, just like burning feet. Clay made the entire 200-mile journey from San Francisco to Yosemite in 10 days. He had a few days to let his blistered feet heal before he and Walker attempted Half Dome again. Climbing Half Dome was hard. It was really scary. I was thinking about falling a lot, and uh, my arms were super tired. Only a fraction of dedicated climbers feel comfortable attempting the 2,200-foot face of Half Dome. And of those who do many take two or three days. Clay is not a climber. But he and Walker made it to the top that day. Back on the ground, Clay put his skateboard in the mail and started hiking the 210-mile John Muir Trail. This time, he made it to the top of Whitney. Clay only recorded three or four interviews on the trail. He didn't want to detract from anyone's wilderness experience. But he gained something maybe more valuable than footage. A moment of relief from the disconnect and disillusionment he'd felt in San Francisco and Modesto. Being up in the mountains, everybody's just elated to be in the wilderness. So you can you can feel an affinity and a connection with people up there a little more easily than you can in the civilized landscape. But my challenge was to hold on to the loving, unified feeling of hikers on the trail and, and carry that back into the urban landscape. 
Clay retrieved his skateboard from the general delivery at the post office in Lone Pine and started skating south down Highway 395. Now, in the cities, Clay's skateboard made him blend in, much more than he had with a loaded bike. On the side of the road, in the middle of the dusty Mojave, miles from any town, coated in filth, sporting a wild beard and a skateboard, he looked crazy. It's not such a spectacle until you're out in the really the middle of nowhere. But then when you're out in the Mojave Desert on 395, you look so insane that people don't even like stop their car. <laughs> Certainly the majority of people just kept going. But uh, it was funny. Sometimes people would stop and people would give me water. I would kind of engage them in small talk and they would get all nervous that I was going to ask for a ride or something. But of course, that wasn't my motive. As Clay interviewed people over the course of his journey, he had conversations with people that ranged from polite or superficial to deeply meaningful. He experienced connections with people that he never would have spoken with otherwise, like the homeless addicts in Modesto. But when he asked the bigger questions, the ones about how to live differently as a society, people didn't respond like he'd hoped. When asked what they would change, most would say things like, I would fix the homeless situation here, or we need more jobs. Not exactly revolutionary thoughts or tangible solutions. But as he got toward the end of his journey, the conversation started to affect Clay in a way that he hadn't expected. And he started to realize that maybe he could affect positive change on a smaller scale, individual to individual. Not real inspired to linger in the scorching Mojave, Clay started skating 30 miles a day. On October 9th, 2014, Clay crossed the border into Tijuana. He ordered a Takate, jumped in the ocean, and boarded a northbound bus. The whole trip took him six weeks. I think I was hoping for more than exactly what I got. I was shooting shooting for the stars and hoping that we could we could all just talk together. I thought it was going to be like a like democracy in a new way. The ideas that I thought were going to be coming up more often were I thought they were going to be like political theories and new ways of life, but any great journey is rich with lessons that you may not expect. And uh Really, when it came down to it, and when it does come down to it, when you talk to somebody about how to live a better life, it always comes down to to personal things that you can do and and caring for those people who are right around you. I mean, when I when I started this trip, I was a very isolated character, and I knew that I knew that the the part about skating the 700 miles you know, and climbing the mountains, those would be physically challenging in their own way, but not really more difficult than just doing it. Really, all you have to do is skateboard as far as you can in a day and feed yourself and find a place to sleep where nobody's going to come bug you. It's way easier than trying to find a job that you, you think is a worthy calling for you or or committing to pay rent somewhere that you think you want to live for the next segment of your life, you know? I think it's a piece of cake. 
you know, you turn around and realize that it's not, it's not about isolating yourself. The real challenge and the real goal is to feel the affinity and make the connection and recognize your role in the, in the human community. And the growth for me in the 700 mile trip was, was about opening up to people. The lessons are these, go for it. And that sometimes, inexplicably, flipping a coin will give you the right answer every time. And somehow, beyond scientific evidence, skating 700 miles results in endless, spontaneous smiling. Thank you so much, Clay, for working with us to share your story. Please visit Clay's website, clayshank.com, to watch the trailer for his feature-length film, 700 Miles, as well as many more of his unique and stunning skate videos. Music today by The Devil's Cut, ADC Bicycle, The Ghosts of Vegas, Little Glass Men, Brian Dunn, and The Cassettes. The tracks come courtesy of Mevio's Music Alley and Free Music Archive. Thank you so much to all of you who support The Diaries. Whether you've bought a t-shirt, submitted a story, or shared an episode with a friend, you keep the diaries thriving. If you want to pledge your support, you can find the button in the upper right-hand corner of our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the show comes from the good people at Patagonia. We've told you about Defined by the Line, our recent film about Josh Ewing and his fight to protect Cedar Mesa. It's one piece of Patagonia's new localism campaign. Check out the other inspiring films of individuals looking to conserve the places that mean the most to them at patagonia.com. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing. They're traveling the U.S. on their Tour de Fat, a celebration of bikes, beer, and bemusement. Visit newbelgium.com to find tour dates near you. And as always, support comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Kuat has partnered with the National Forest Foundation in their Future Forest Initiative, They've committed to planting a tree for every bike rack they sell. So far, they've planted over a thousand trees. Thanks, Kuat. This episode of The Diaries was produced by Jen Altschul and me, Becca Cahal. You've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. What?